0: I'm Allie Burks, the worship leader for the local church, and you're listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast, featuring sermons from our Sunday liturgy. The local church is a bold and inclusive new faith community in Chatham County, North Carolina, committed to being with and for one another, our community, and the world. We gather for the work of worship every Sunday morning at 9.30 at House of Hops in Pittsburgh, North Carolina. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you have a place at the local church, and we'd love to see you.
1: Well, good morning, friends. Welcome to the local church. Again, my name is Brent. I serve as the pastor here. And we're so glad that you're with us this morning to join in this work of worship, this Sunday liturgy, this work together through scripture, through song, through preaching, through Holy Communion that forms us and transforms us little by little, right under our noses, without us even being aware that it's happening sometimes. We want you to know that your presence here matters. You make a difference. You make this community more whole. Just by showing up, you're a part of what God is doing. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, whether you are a seasoned veteran or just dipping your toes into the waters of faith, whether you come with a firm and steadfast, steadfast and long-lasting faith, or you come with doubts, conflicted, hoping that this might be true, you have a place here and you belong here. And we give God thanks for each and every one of you. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this new morning. We pray, oh God, that as we journey together, that you would guide us, direct our path, give us eyes and ears and hearts that are open to see and experience light in places of darkness, to discover perhaps, oh God, that darkness is not dark to you, to remember that again. Bless us in this time. Bless me in this preaching. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, show of hands. How many of you still have your Christmas decorations up? That's a good number. That's a good number. Can we do it one more time? I didn't get over here. Still, Christmas decorations still up? Yeah, good. Good. That's great. And you win. You win. Gold stars for everybody who has their Christmas decorations still up. Because it's actually still Christmas. That's why we have the, uh, the Advent candles and the Christmas candle lit today. There are 12 days of Christmas. It's more than a catchy song. It's a season in the church calendar, the 12 days of Christmas. And today is day what? Anybody know? 12. Today is the last day, right? So, Jay, do you have the other 11 drummers? Are they on their way? yeah we're gonna skype them in that's (laughs) i love it i love it um i talked to somebody this week who uh kept their decorations up until uh through february almost until march and what they did was they turned their christmas tree into a valentine's day tree and i said that's brilliant but why stop there right you can have a saint patrick's day tree right just decorate it with shamrocks you could have an easter egg tree right for easter anybody keep your tree up year-round you just have a closet that you can stuff it and pull it back out? <laughs> if you're like me, um, if you're like us, you, you packed uh, it all away sometime this week or so. We had time, I didn't feel like waiting until today, tomorrow, uh, and, uh, and, and New Year's Day hit, and I was ready for a fresh start, right? Ready uh, uh, to, to get everything away. So the storage boxes came out, and in less than two hours, it was all put away for another year. Among the things I packed this year and then um, pulled back out, was something new, something called The Star From Afar. Anybody seen this? Anybody ever seen this? There's a nativity set right here, if you can see it. Um, It's all part of The Star From Afar. A friend sent this to us, and Emma had a blast with it. Sort of like uh, Elf on the Shelf, but better. I'm different, but different. (laughs) Um. Anybody do Elf on the Shelf? Anybody do Elf on the Shelf? No shame, no shame. Yeah, yeah. But instead of an elf uh, that that goes from place to place every night, there's a star, a star that that, um, every night is in a different location. And so the kids wake up the next morning. And wherever the star is throughout the house, um, they take the wise men and move them to the vicinity of the star, right? And so all during uh, the lead-up to Christmas, during Advent, uh, the star is in a different place, getting closer and closer to the nativity. that's here, and then on Christmas Day, um, they're you know they're following the star, and then on Christmas Day, the the star is on uh, the the stable, the barn, the manger, and we move the wise men to greet the newborn king. That's. Star from afar. Uh, as of this morning, it was 50% off on Amazon. Makes a great gift. So add it to your card after the service. Um, but I checked this morning. It's great, Star from afar, but it's not quite accurate. Not quite accurate. And that's because we actually celebrate the arrival of the wise men, the three kings, uh, not on Christmas Day, but tomorrow. Anybody know what tomorrow is? Epiphany, that's right. January 6th each year is Epiphany. By the way, have you seen this cartoon? After the three wise men left, the three wiser women arrived with fresh diapers and casseroles for the week and lots of formula. Isn't that great? My sister's having a baby this week and uh, I'm thinking about showing up with some frankincense. She's gonna, she's gonna <laughs> love it. If anybody knows where I can find some, <laughs> I'll check Amazon. Um, but this is what we celebrate on Epiphany January 6th each year. Epiphany is not just another term for a light bulb moment or a novel idea. Uh, but the word Epiphany comes from the Greek that means um, manifest or revelation or new understanding. It comes from the Greek word that means manifest, a revelation, and new understanding. And that's because, as we heard in the story today, that, that Zach read, in their arrival and in their worship, these wise men These Zoroastrian scientists, these astrologers from the East, likely uh, Persia or Arabia, these Gentiles who deal with magic and sorcery, who are by no means insiders, these are among the first to come and see the revelation of God in human form. God made manifest in an infant. They're the first to kneel before this unlikeliest of kings, and as the scripture says, pay him homage. With gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And this says something again about who this good news is for. It's a sign of the universality of God's love, the breadth of it. The, the good news really is for all people. that uh, this is what the story says that in and through Jesus, the kingdom of God is expanded and expansive. through this child, love with skin on. God is giving the cosmos one great, big bear hug. These magi, these wise men, these kings, these astrologers are more than a fancy decoration for your nativity, more than a way to keep your preschooler busy in the weeks leading up before Christmas. The presence here in Matthew's gospel is a sign to us that there's no longer anything, uh, any such thing as insider or outsider in God's kingdom. In Jesus' reign, our walls crumble, our barriers are broken down, our assumptions come undone, and maybe we're left surprised by who shows up in God's story and in ours. Maybe we're surprised that we've shown up in God's story. And yet here you are. And here they are. Wise men having followed a light in the night sky, traversing untold terrain, making a pit stop in Jerusalem to get Herod all riled up. King Herod was probably like, oh, you guys, gold, frankincense, myrrh, you shouldn't have. <laughs> and they're like, we didn't awkward. But it's this light, it's this light that guides them. Our story of the Magi today from Matthew's retelling of the Jesus story is coupled with what's called the prologue in John's gospel, John chapter 1. Like any good prologue, this is meant to give uh, uh, those who approach the story a heads up about what's to come. John doesn't begin the story with a play-by-play of Jesus' birth. Instead, he begins the story in more abstract, in more metaphorical terms, setting the stage for the rest of the narrative. According to John, Jesus is the word of God made flesh. And this word was with God, and this word was not just with God, this word was God. All things, according to John created through Jesus. He's the source of everything. But Jesus is not just the word, Jesus is light. The light of the world that shines in the darkness. Jesus is light, John says, the light of all people, the one who shines brightly in the darkest of places. I was thinking about the interplay of light and darkness this week, of light in darkness this week. Epiphany and light go hand in hand, after all. Because to reveal something, remember epiphany means revelation, manifestation, to reveal something, it's got to be brought into the light, right? When Jesus enters the world, the land was in deep darkness, the darkness of empire, the darkness of slavery, the darkness of injustice, the darkness of oppression, the darkness of hearts turned inward, closed off, driven by fear. You heard that Herod was motivated, frightened. Motivated by fear. And John wants us to know that Jesus is the light shining in these dark places, offering hope and life and grace upon grace, offering a different way, revealing what love looks like, where power truly lies, how love moves in the world, how God is embodied. Jesus is the light of the world, John says, and yet darkness lingers. We heard it in last week's scripture lesson, if you were here, the continuation. The story in Matthew's gospel, what happens immediately after this story of the Magi arriving and the wise men have returned home, Herod is incensed that they don't come back to him with the news of the, where to find this child. And so Herod goes all scorched earth and has every child under two in and around Bethlehem killed. It's what we call the massacre of the innocents. Darkness. And maybe 2,000 years later, you find yourself wondering, too, about light and darkness. Maybe uh, for you, the darkness is all too real, and light seems like something that happened then, a far-off story 2,000 years ago, a nice story that we tell once a year, but now you're not so sure, where the light remains but a flicker in a world of darkness. Maybe it's a darkness you see playing out on the world uh, uh, on television screens and and in breaking news interruptions, stabbings at a Hanukkah celebration, drone strikes in the Middle East—a world seemingly on the brink of war. Australia with a fire the size of Manhattan. Maybe it's a darkness within, a lack of clarity, perhaps about what lies ahead for you, or a perceived insignificance, a perceived uh, lack of purpose in your life or in your work. A relationship that seems fragile. We're fraught. A past that's cloaked in darkness, filling your heart with shame and guilt and lies about who you are. Darkness. I remember the first time that I saw the Milky Way. It was just a few years ago, the day after Christmas in Hampstead, North Carolina, just outside Wilmington. We were visiting Natalie's grandparents and my wife, and and they live right on the water, right on the intercoastal waterway. And it was a clear night, and we were out on a walk to let dinner digest. And I happened to look up, and there it was. In all its glory, over 200 billion stars stretching from one side of the sky to the other, a sight that left me breathless. First time I saw the Milky Way. I got home a couple days later I looked up at the night sky in Durham. I couldn't see it. Why couldn't I see it? Too much light pollution, right? Hampstead was darker. And I needed that darkness to see the Milky Way, to see what I hadn't before. Which makes me think of the wise men, the magi, the, the star scientists, the magicians. The star they saw it couldn't have been seen at high noon. The sun directly over them, beating down, casting no shadows. It was there to be sure. But they couldn't see it. Instead, they could only see it at night. It was only revealed, manifest, made known. Where? In the darkness. Speaking of stars, astrophysicist Adam Frank has written this. The visible galaxies we see strewn across space are nothing more than strings of luminous flotsam drifting on an invisible sea of dark matter. Isn't that great? Luminous flotsam drifting on an invisible sea of dark matter. In other words, the universe is mostly dark. Any light that we see is just a scattering, smattering. Scientists estimate, in fact, that nearly three quarters of the entire universe is made up of a force that's called dark energy. Dark energy is basically the opposite of gravity. It's a force that causes uh, uh, not things to not converge and hold together, but things to separate, to diverge to move further and further apart. That's what dark energy is. I spent 45 minutes and way too many YouTube videos trying to learn about dark energy, and I'm still not entirely sure (laughs) what it is. But the point is, y'all, darkness is everywhere. And yet, it was in this darkness that God showed up to these wise men, these astrologers, who would know a special star when they saw one. God showed up in the darkness to lead them to light. And it makes me wonder for us how God shows up, has shown up, is showing up in our places of darkness too, to lead us, to guide us, to God's self. Whatever darkness you find yourself in, whatever darkness we find ourselves in, all it takes, we know this, all it takes is the smallest bit of light for our eyes to begin to adjust and to see what we couldn't before. The light of the world, Jesus, may seem like but a flicker at times. Maybe a persistent, faint light in an otherwise dark sky. Scattered, flotsam, luminous, (laughs) in a sea of dark energy. But perhaps this light is Jesus. The true light who comes to break into our world and into our lives, to our hearts. The word made flesh. God revealed to us. Made manifest. Where's that light? For you, where's that light? For you, a perfectly timed embrace, a text out of the blue, a touch or a prayer to remind you that you're not alone. A group of people who go to a Shabbat service to stand in solidarity with sisters and brothers uh, who are Jewish. A word of affirmation reminding you who and whose you are, a belly laugh with a friend when your kid says something absurd and you can't help but smile, a, a spirit-filled Instagram post or, or a Bible verse that's perfectly timed and just what you needed, a group of friends who feel like family, who feel like home, a small win that gives you a little bit of hope for the future, grace received in the midst of anxiety or worry, a story that renews your faith and humanity, a taste of bread, a sip of juice, it's all light. This is Jesus. This is God made manifest in your life and in our world, even in the darkest of places. I have this poster hanging in my office, and on hard days and on dark days and on frustrating days, days I want to give up, days I feel swallowed up by darkness, days I'm confused, days I'm anxious, days I don't know what next. what's next basically every day. This poster reminds me who I am, what I'm called to, It's called A Responsibility to Light by somebody named Courtney E. Martin. I want to share it with you. We're going to break it down into three different slides here so that we can read it together. This is your assignment. Feel all the things. Feel the hard things, the inexplicable things, the things that make you disavow humanity's capacity for redemption. Feel all the maddening paradoxes. Feel overwhelmed, crazy Feel uncertain, feel angry, feel afraid, feel powerless, feel frozen, and then focus. Focus. Pick up your pen, pick up your paintbrush, pick up your chin, (laughs) put your two calloused hands on the turntables and the clay on the strings, get behind the camera, look for that pinprick of light. Look for the truth. Yes, it is a thing. It still exists. Focus on that light. Enlarge it. Reveal it. Reveal the fierce urgency of now. Reveal how shattered we are, how capable of being repaired. But don't lament the break. Nothing new would be built if things were never broken. A wise man once said, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Get after that light. This is your assignment. As trees come down and the halls are undecked, as festive facades go dark until next Christmas, know that the light shines in the darkness, especially in the darkness. Merry Christmas, friends. Happy Epiphany. Get after that light. Amen.
0: it's Allie again. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to somebody who could use some good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more information about The Local Church, visit thelocalchurchpbo.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Local Church PBO. Until next time, love where you are.